Yeah, and then for the daytime costumes, for when you are going out in the day, it's very like minimalist stuff. Like you're barely wearing anything. Technically, it's a place where like you can go completely naked, and that's like perfectly acceptable. I'm Yuki, joined by my co-host Reggie, and you're listening to Modern Day Hippie, the podcast about doing drugs in a responsible, fun, and safe way to improve your life. Before we jump into today's episode, a quick legal disclaimer. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Our goal is to educate and inform others about the realities of substance use in an engaging format. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to attempt to recreate anything found in this episode or any of our other content. We are not confessing to any acts stated in this podcast. The content in this episode should not be treated as factual or real in any way. Now with that, we hope you enjoyed today's show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm diving into kind of a new experience that I'm setting myself up for this year, which is Burning Man. I've never gone to Burning Man before, but I've heard so much about it and decided that this year was going to be the the first time that my girlfriend and I go. And so there's a lot of preparation that has to happen for it. But part of that is finding a camp that you want to go with. And you definitely don't have to go with a camp. But if you go with the camp, it's generally like a bigger group. They'll usually like bring something to the city where like Burning Man basically happens. And these camps will build like really cool shit. So they'll build these giant like stages or art pieces, or they'll like give out food or drinks or it varies by camp. But part of this is that a lot of these camps are run as nonprofits. So they need to raise money. And so especially in the summers leading up to Burning Man, which happens at the very end of August every year, there's like a high density of these Burning Man fundraisers for various camps. And so today I wanted to tell the story about a specific camp fundraiser that we went to here in our home city, just like a few minutes away from our house. Yeah. So this camp fundraiser happened at this venue that we go to pretty often in our home city. It was on like a Saturday night. And the idea with these fundraisers is the main like fundraising that happens is just from people buying tickets to go to these parties. And of course, there are like DJs, there's a party, like all that stuff. And and it's a pretty late night event sort of thing. And so we get there, I think at around like 9 or 10 p.m. pretty early because we actually wanted to go there to kind of like network a little bit, meet people just because that's like helpful to do before you actually set out for Burning Man. And we get there and the theme for the party is like Burning Man black tie. So I wasn't totally sure what that means, but you go there and people are just wearing like the crazy craziest shit like you, you know those hats that are like the captain hats with like the brave goggles on them oh yeah there are a bunch of those you know you have people dressed from like actually like quite nice but still kind of these like steampunk vibes is how i describe it to girls just wearing like very little clothing uh dressed <laughs> like super slutty which which is a vibe and so there's all these like unique people mixed in like a lot of people who are these like burning man vibes as i call it and then they also had some people who very clearly like just came for the party and were wearing like business casual effectively and you know no one's turned away at the door you have a ticket you get in but that was a very interesting mixture of, of like partying cultures at this event yeah so what what exactly is burning man yeah so it's hard to describe but it's basically a like utopian city that people build in the middle of the desert for one week out of the year uh it's literally a city 
that is like built for that week. So there's 80,000 people who go. Jeez, 80,000? Yeah. And the city has like public services, like post offices and what? Like kind of local, not police officers, but like people to actually like help you uh, in case you need stuff. And I think at a highest level, like people see it as kind of a music festival, but I think the music is like 20% of it. It truly is a city. And a lot of people there do go for like the partying and the drugs and stuff like that. But like I mentioned, there's camps and the idea is that each camp provides something to Black Rock City, which is the name of the city that's built every year. And what they provide to the city can literally be anything. Like the camp that we're going with this year is going to be mainly a party camp. But I have a friend's camp who they're building like like a tea shop that people can go and just like get teas. There's camps that do like yoga classes. Do they have like, is it all bartering? Like, or do they have their own? currency or what no so it's yeah it's run off of like a gifting economy so not even bartering it's just like everything is just given out for free and actually the only thing you can spend money on at burning man is ice and so ice is sold by the burning man organization which is a nonprofit that's responsible for building like the core infrastructure of the city every year and so you can buy ice you know to like keep the food that you bring in cold because everything you need for that week you need to bring and then anything that's left over you need to carry out as well like Leave no trace. And basically Burning Man has these 10 values. Like one of them is like radical self-reliance. It's like being prepared, taking care of yourself. And obviously if you're missing something, like the people around you will help. But the way that I've heard it put is like, people won't let you die or starve, but they won't necessarily be like super stoked about having to help you out. Cause it's like, Hey, right. you weren't prepared enough yeah. for this, uh, this thing that you, you know, you, you knew what you were getting yourself into potentially. That makes sense. Yeah. And part of it is people just wear these like crazy outfits. Like people would have multiple costumes every day. They'll have like a day costume and a night costume. Because honestly, like it's in the middle of the desert. So during the days, it's really fucking hot. So you actually sleep through the days generally. And then at night is when like a lot of the shit really happens. Yeah. And then for the daytime costumes, for when you are going out in the day, it's very like minimalist stuff. Like you're barely wearing anything. Technically, it's a place where like you can go completely naked and that's like perfectly acceptable. And while I've heard that the trend has been that there's less naked people over, you know, the course of the last couple of years, that's still very much like Burning Man vibes. And there were some people. Sorry, can you bring cell phones into that? Uh, you can, but like you won't have service. Although yeah, like people are like document shit, I guess. Is- yeah. So one of the values of Burning Man is that you're not supposed to like commercialize any content that you make there. And you're actually not supposed to be able to take pictures of people without their like explicit consent. Oh, okay, cool. What I see most commonly is like, you know, people get photos taken of themselves in front of some really cool art pieces. But th- there's actually this joke that like people need to bring back the commonness of like naked people at Burning Man because let's say you take a picture of a crowd. Obviously, if there's a naked dude in there, like you're not going to post that picture on Instagram or Facebook, most likely. That's so smart. <laughs> yeah, but that is definitely yeah. a trend that's been been going down in recent years. Yeah. yeah, and I will say at this fundraiser that we went to, no one's like butt ass naked because it's not quiet like Black Rock City. You know, we're still like in our home city, but you know, you have people like wearing pasties and stuff and just like interesting or sexy outfits. So that was part of the vibe. So the camp that was hosting this fundraiser, their whole shtick and what they bring to to Black Rock City for Burning Man is they have this giant tent that they set up, and the tent is basically covered in day beds and pillows and blankets like it's basically made to just be like a cozy like cuddle puddle vibe and then they have a giant gong in the middle of the tent with a robot that's playing the gong constantly and around the gong there's all these like 
simple instruments, you know, like xylophones, like those big ceramic cups that you tap with a stick and then you go around them and they make also kind of like a gong-like sound. And so the idea is that, you know, you're walking through the middle of the desert and you're probably tired from all this partying. So you stumble onto this tent that's super cozy, it's air conditioned, uh, and you go in there and you just like chill in this sound bath for however long you want. You can recharge and just like, you know, get, get your wits back about you if you're having a crazy night at Burning Man. And so for these fundraisers, uh, like this camp, like sets up this exact tent so that people can see like what the camp is about. And so part of it is raising money through this event, but it's also like, you know, people who the camp really likes who comes to the event, they'll try to recruit them to their camp to join them for, for this year's burn. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and this tent was definitely a big draw. Like it was huge. It's, I don't know, the size of like a very large living room, you know, like hundreds of, of square feet, I would say. And when we first got to the event, there weren't a whole lot of people in there. Like, I think people are still in very much a party mood. Like, people are just kind of, like, starting to take their drugs and, like, get into the swing of the party. And so, at that time, we were, you know, wandering around, meeting people, exploring. And what was cool at this event was they had a few different vendors set up around the venue that sell, like, highly targeted Burning Man-specific things. So, one example is there's a vendor who just sells, like, specifically Burning Man costumes and outfits. Like, they kind of know what vibe people go for and they just sell like you know kimonos and masks and tall boots and and shit like that but the coolest vendor was these two guys who basically like 3d print these like everything from like masks to like staffs and shit and they like deck them out with leds and they make them look super fucking sick and so one of the guys who ran this he he was carrying this custom staff that he made for for a client where it's like it kind of looks like a lamppost, but inside the lamppost, there's like a mushroom and the mushroom is like lit up from the inside with all these different colors. And then the sides of the lamppost are like mirrors. So it's like reflecting off of itself. And it was just so fucking cool. Like this guy literally built this thing, like literally with his hands from scratch. And you could kind of pick him out from around the event because he was just like the dude with the freaking badass mushroom staff. Wait, so does that all get burned at the end? No, no. So the only things that get burned at Burning Man is like the man itself, which is built by the Burning Man nonprofit. And then the other big structure that the Burning Man org builds every year is the temple, which is honestly seems like a very kind of like, you know, religious vibe type of place. Like it's not, you know, ascribed to a specific religion, but people literally go there. They'll leave like notes or pictures of like lost loved ones. And from the way I've heard it described, it literally feels like a lot like a holy place of sorts. But yeah, the the man burns like the Saturday at the end of Burning Man and the temple burns the Sunday at Burning Man. Oh, that's awesome. For some reason, I thought they burned everything. No, yeah, no. Okay. No, it's actually, yeah. So a lot of our pieces will come back. And, and like the camp we're going with, they have this like very large structure that they use as like their stage and like the centerpiece for their parties. And that's something that they use every year. They actually, when they do fundraisers, they bring the structure around the country, like to their parties because it's so iconic. Like they're known that's for this so thing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. I'm excited for you, man. Dude. Yeah. I, I'm sure I have plenty of stories to tell when we get back in September. You're at the club and the music is thumping, but you, you've got nothing left in the tank. So what do you do? Sniff some cacao. Yup. You heard that right. Sniff some cacao. It's the hottest new trend in the club and party scene. 
One bum-sized sniff of raw chocolatey powder contains the caffeine equivalent to a half cup of coffee, and boom, it hits instantly. And the best part is you can now sniff cacao anytime, anywhere, right out in the open, in front of the DJ booth or the stage, even at the VIP table with your friends. Now, how does that happen without drawing unwanted attention? Snowgo's spring-loaded bump straws make it possible. These classy, triple-mirror polished bump straws are the safest, most discreet way to enjoy sniffing cacao. In fact, you've most likely already seen people wearing Snowgo's bump straws as pendants around their necks without even knowing it. Discover why sniffing cacao using Snowgo bump straws is being called the biggest revolution in partying since the invention of rock and roll. Jump on over to snowgostraws.com to learn more. That's S-N-O-G-O-S-T-R-A-W-S.com and use discount code MDH15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. But we get to the point in the night where where drugs start getting involved. And honestly, this was this was like a Friday night and I had something early the next day. So I went in being like, ah, uh, like even if I do drugs, it'll be a little bit. Like I'm not trying to be out until like five AM and just like my usual like degenerate shit when it comes to stuff like this. Um like I was literally just there to meet people and and talk to people, make some connections. But once I got satisfied with that and I got a little bit later, um, <laughs> I did end up going into the like sound bath tent that this camp had set up oh, and it was like popping and popping in the sense that like people aren't like dancing type of popping, but there were like a lot of people in there just like vibing in this big circle around this gong that this uh, robot was playing constantly. And it was just such a like pleasant vibe. So I go in there and just meet a couple of guys. You know, one of them gives me some ketamine. And there's other guy who was there just like tripping hard on LSD, but he looked kind of like like, like what you'd expect like a, a psychedelic shaman to look like. Like he had the vibes. <laughs> awesome. Love that. And he had like a really nice DMT fan. He's like, yeah, here, you want to hit it? So I hit it a little bit. I didn't, I didn't want to like go super nice. ham. Was that? But were you on something before the ketamine or was it just no it was just ketamine and then a little bit of that dmt dude that's solid though <laughs> yeah no like i didn't even take shrooms this night because that's how little i was like expecting to do stuff yeah honestly i didn't do a whole lot but it got me to a point where i was vibing really nicely in this tent and i really felt like i was like in a sound bath which i've never tried before and i don't even know what sound baths are supposed to be but i'm like if there is a sound bath i feel like i am in one right now and i i also learned that the way you play a gong is actually, it's not by like hitting it like in the movies. You actually take like the mallet or whatever you used to hit it and you actually go in a circle like on the gong. And so by going in a circle, it like creates the sound waves that actually resonate out from it. And, and then you hit it? Or no, you don't hit it at all. Because when what? you hit it, it's like a very Damn. loud, like disruptive sound. No, no, I'm telling you, yeah. the sound is so much prettier when it just goes in a circle. And so one yeah, of the guys at the camp not. literally made a robot that like holds the mallet and it goes in a circle. And so it'll randomly like change its speed. It'll randomly change the radius that this like mallet goes around the gong. And it creates some like incredible sounds. Like I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, you know, sometimes from the gong, you'll hear angels. Other times you'll hear demons. Wow. It's really, you know, <laughs> it's, it's up to you what the experience with. What did you hear, bro? <laughs> I definitely heard a little bit of both. I'm like, I understand how it could be interpreted as such. And honestly, if I was like tripping really hard, like I'm sure I would have had some crazy experience with it. I was more like just honestly really enjoying the music that wasn't, you know, just like EDM playing. Like, you know, I, I love EDM, but it was just like a nice like resting escape. And I can totally understand that when you're like partying all night at Burning Man, that this is like the perfect thing to come back to and just relax. Yeah, Maybe take a nap because everyone's just like laying down in groups. It was such a vibe, wow. dude. And then the other thing they had, right? They had these 
just like kind of simple instruments spread out around the gong that like anyone could go and play. And it was cool because that was the first time that I was like on drugs and I got to like play with these instruments. Like I was just playing this weird xylophone thing for probably like 30 to 45 minutes while I was like in my, you know, my, my ketamine like not quite K-hole, but like my drowsiness, my dissociativeness. And dude, I feel like a kid. I was like, this is like a playground for sound for people That's on drugs. Were, were people like jamming together or was everyone just kind of doing their own thing? Because I feel like that'd be crazy if like people just randomly started collabing, making music together. It was mostly their own thing. But for example, there are times when like, you know, one guy would have one instrument and, and these are all kind of more like, gong type instruments right you, you don't have like wow. guitars and drums right. um it's more like you know these really chill xylophones or the ceramic cups that make also kind of like a resonating sound when you go around the edge and so i think they had picked like the right keys of these instruments so that things would generally work together even if played oh, randomly that's so smart, yeah bro. yeah and so it, it, it all just kind of worked so you know like i'd be playing my little xylophone thing on one end some guy would be playing a ceramic cup on the other and it worked really well that was cool and they also had these, you know, th- this row of like chimes by the gong. And every once in a while, like me or another guy would just kind of like run our hand through the chimes. And they were just like this beautiful sound, like this melodic, like almost like rainfall. And every time someone played the chimes, like it really kind of stood out in the other sounds that were being played. And everyone would kind of like look and like smile. Like I'd, I'd like crawl over and like run my hand through the chimes and just feel so like serene doing it. And people would look and be like, yeah. Like that's that's the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so dumb. Yeah. No, it was great. I was probably in the set for like two hours and I was there with my girlfriend and she was more just like catching up with some of her friends. So I had somebody I texted her and I was like, I'm just vibing in the tent. Like whenever you want to go, like we can go. Just let me know. But tent was a good time. I met some really chill people. I met like a, a couple of pretty solid like DJs that live in our city and some other like burning man type folks and it brought together like a good group of people and even though i'm not going with this camp this year i will definitely seek out their tents as an oasis for when i need a break at burning man and honestly maybe consider going with them in the future because definitely have some good friends going with the camp and it's cool each camp is like its own like family and each one has its own vibe we're definitely going with like somewhat bigger camp this year but i think once we get comfortable with it like i could see us going with a smaller camp in the future and just doing something like more low-key yeah that makes sense man it's and i'm sure you'll like know more about how everything goes down when you actually get to go oh yeah 100 i mean at this point you know we're preparing i have like spreadsheets of like provisions we need to buy and just stuff that we need so we'll be prepared but it's like you know i've heard like nothing can really prepare you for it you just have to like go and experience it and not have too many expectations because there can be a lot of ups and a lot of downs because you are in this extremely like intense environment that's like not really great for humans to to be inhabiting dude i'm still trying to figure out like what kind of people go to burning man because like at the university we went to some of our professors would go to that but then you also have like people who are like really like just like druggy hippie people that like also go to that and then i don't know man is is it like it's really across the board like literally if you read the burning man survival guide which the burning man org publishes every year um, there's even a section of like families and kids 
Like apparently sometimes people will bring their kids to it. And I think it just goes to show like whatever vibe you're looking for, you will find it. Like I'm sure there are people who go and don't even partake so much in the partying, maybe not even in the drugs. Like it can be such a different experience. Like it's a city of 80,000 people. That's bigger than like most towns it, in the US. Yeah, that's right. And so just like you can have, you know, a variety of experiences in a normal city, I think the exact same thing applies to Black Rock City. And I definitely have friends who go with like smaller, like super chill camps. There's also people who don't go with camps. They just pull up, they set up their, you know, RVs or their tents and just like open camping area and just like vibe. Oh, you can just go solo? Yeah, yeah. You only have a group? Yeah, exactly. Nice. And it did originally start as like a very like hippie movement in San Francisco in like the 90s, but it kept growing every year. And at some point they're like, okay, we need a bigger space for this. And then they started getting permits for this place where they have it every year. That's on uh, BLM land. And so they have to get a permit for Burning Man every year. They have to make sure that it's like clean afterwards because otherwise, you know, like the BLM like won't give them a permit for next year's city, this whole thing. And I got to have some like more exciting conversations about it in my uh, drug-fueled sound bath state, you know, met some people who will be going or who have gone and kind of give me some more like tips and pointers. And you know, you remember how I mentioned that I didn't want this to be like, you know, a crazy long night. I was like, I don't want to be out until yeah. 4 or 5 a.m. Well, we ended up staying until like 3.30 oh in the morning. God. It was a great time. You know, like me and my girlfriend, we had very different types of experiences, but we both had like a blast while we were there, which is why we stayed so long. And then went home and wake up really early the next morning, slept for like two hours or something. But it was a good time. I don't know how you live <laughs> like this, man. <laughs> Dude, me so that's either. awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. Well, I'm super excited for you to go, man. I can't wait to hear about it. And I'm sure the audience can't wait to hear about it either. Yeah, no, I'm going to try to make sure that at least like once a day, I just write down a few notes in my journal because I know there will be so many things that I forget. So yeah, look out for that. Burning Man happens. It's like the last week of August into the first week of September. So the week before Labor Day weekend every year. And when I come back from that, I need to reacclimate to regular society for a bit. And then we can record episodes <laughs> and, and talk about it. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. And that's today's pod. Truly, thank you for listening to the show. We seriously fucking appreciate it. If you want to help us out, just leaving a rating or a comment, you know the drill, would be incredibly helpful. But more importantly, share the knowledge and the love with your friends. Make sure they're getting the information they need on this topic that is so underserved and underappreciated in today's society. We'll see you all next week.